Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Doctor's Companion. This is episode 56. I'm Scott Carilli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we are back talking about classic stories. Today we're going to be discussing The Curse of Peladin, which is a uh, third Doctor, John Pertwee story. Uh, and a good one. Great one. Yes. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that in just a second. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website geekshowentertainment.com where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff. Like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, A Couple of Geeks, Movie Night at Geek Show, Geek Show Soundcheck, Super Geeks, and coming this fall, uh, The Geek Show with Scott and Matt. Uh, which is the new flagship podcast for GeekShowEntertainment.com. And you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website by um, go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and to decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc as in the doctor's companion. Um, all right, so... Uh, Matt, we're talking uh, Curse of Peladin. Uh, what, what do you have for background significance for this episode? Um, okay, well, Curse of Peladin is a third Doctor story. It's a third Doctor with Joe, um, who we talked about last in The Green Death, which we did a couple months back, because <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked Classic Who. Um, it's a third Doctor Joe story, um, and it's and it's unique because it's not your standard third Doctor story. Uh, when I think of the third Doctor, I think of you know Unit, the Brigadier, some Earth-based alien invasion, or what have you. Um, and uh, this is this is this is decidedly different. It's it's kind of got a Star Trek vibe to it. Um, I don't know. Did you feel Star Trek vibe? Yeah, definitely. Probably. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's it feels like the closest classic who uh, gets to Star Trek. I'm not the first person to say it, but like going through it, it, it definitely feels like it because it's so atypical. Um, it's uh, written by uh, Lenny, not Lenny Main. It's written by Brian Hales and directed by Lenny Main. Uh, Brian Hales uh, is unique because, and this, this is background, but like he created. Uh, some very popular classic Who villains called the Ice Warriors, who are basically lizard centurions from Mars, which is, like, the greatest thing I've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> because it sounds so awesome. Um, 
So he came back and did uh, a bit of a like a mystery political thriller drama um, starring or featuring the Ice Warriors for the first time since Troughton, uh, and and he does a decent job of it. Uh, it's 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 just a good story, I think. Um, I could I could probably gush a lot about it. It's one of my personal favorites. My one of my personal favorite uh, John Pertwee stories, and as you know from the title of the episode that we have here today, uh, it's got a cage match. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan, uh, and, uh, and you hadn't seen it before, right? You're, you're, this is one of those new ones to you. Right, yeah, this is definitely a new one. And your uh-huh. thoughts? Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> I it's, knew you'd it's, like it. It's really, really great. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's thrilling, it's exciting, it's got, um, it's got political intrigue, it's kind of sexy in the way that it just deals with, like, court and court politics, there's no, like, you know, it's, it's, it's very... It's just it's just got some good intrigue mystery and there's some great Pertwee in here. Um some of my this favorite. This is some of the best Pertwee. <laughs> yeah. This is like I mean this this is this is wow. This is like concentrated Pertwee. Like everything you could possibly want from Pertwee is all in this story. Yeah, he's he's smarmy, he's smug, he's he's BSing everyone. Like in the first episode, there's this thing where we'll we'll talk about it in a minute, but like he's just BSing people. Like he, they're just like, "So you're the ambassador to Earth?" He's like, "Yes, I'm that guy." <laughs> and and he sings a lullaby and he bewitches a a, a cave dwelling fur creature and. And there's a cage match, uh, which was straight out of like classic Trek. Like, just reminds oh, yeah. me of Kirk. Like, it was just, it was just great. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I, and everyone, everyone listening would probably like this story because it's not. If you don't like the unit story, but you want to see like a different sort of Pertwee, um, this is a really good place to kind of start. Uh, that said, don't, don't, don't go to the sequel, which is they did a sequel for this, like two years later um, in Pertwee's final season. It's actually the second to last story called The Monster Pellet and all the fun stuff that makes this fun is just not here. But all the magic is in this story and it's and they've never recaptured it and it's kind of sad. Kind of sad. It's phenomenal though. Um, oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we start uh, discussing the episode, I do want to remind everybody that uh, today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, which is Green Lantern's Secret Origin by Jeff Johns and Ivan Rice. And this book is available for only $12.39, which is 38% off the suggested retail price of nineteen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, so let's uh, let's let's jump right into um, part one. And uh, let me just say it. You know, we need more of scale models. Oh, I know, right? I know. I like when it this episode opens with a phenomenal scale model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thing is gorgeous. Yeah. Now, granted, now granted, the scale model TARDIS not doesn't look so great, but the castle, (laughs) the castle looks wonderful. Yeah, they never do. They never seem to do really well with the scale model Tardises. But like, I remember the first time I saw this, and it just opens on that shot of of uh, the Citadel, and it's there's thunder and lightning, and instantly you're transported to like you're like, oh, this is a little bit different, uh, especially because your last story was like a time traveling Daleks on Earth story. Um, so so it's a little bit different. I loved that opening shot. It's so yeah, iconic. Um, it is. 
and yes. and it made me realize like immediately that this this wasn't this wasn't the Pertwee I'm used to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's is and this, it's what season is this? This is his third season. So like this okay, is like, so I've I've now seen like no, that's right. I've seen I've seen one from his first season, and I've seen one from his what fourth season, right? Yeah, the, his fourth like, season would be like Three Doctors and Green Death. Right, and then and then I've seen I I don't think I've seen one with him and Sarah. Well, no, that's not true. I've seen Planet of the Spiders, so I've yeah. seen one from his last season. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, I'm just not his second season. That's like yeah. I think that's the only season I need to see still. That's our next Pertwee story. So, so yeah, so so that, and that one's that season is straight unit. Um, I think our story is a straight unit story that's coming up next for Pertwee. Yeah, the fir- um, first two years is straight unit, right? Yeah, and this before is, he gets his before he gets the TARDIS working again. Yeah, and this is that's what makes this cool is like this is when he gets his TARDIS back, like um, uh, sort of like I think there's one story in his second season where he has control of the TARDIS for one story, um, but this is like his first real outing, as he says. Um, a little bit later in the first part. Um, anyways, we open on Peladin and we go into the court and like instantly, like the sense of the production design on this story is phenomenal. Like I love the hallways. I love the torch light and the brackets and it really gives a great medieval feel to the, mm-hmm. to, to Peladin. It just feels, it feels so, you know, like it, it transports you right to a sort of feel and tone and you cut into um, the courtroom or not the courtroom, the throne room. I'm going to call it the courtroom. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but we cut into the throne room where King Peladin, who is played by Patrick Troughton's son, David Troughton, uh, who I actually really enjoy. He was in Midnight. I don't know if you knew that. But he was in Midnight um, as, the, as the scientist guy. Um, he talks just like his dad. Yeah, yeah. He only, sounds... only with even more of a lisp. <laughs> true, true. It's, it's, it's very similar. And it's it, I like that he has that sort of... You know, he, I like that he's on the show, um, mm-hmm. but he's, he's wearing booty shorts. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and really, really like, like thigh high boots. Yeah. They're like, they're like, go, 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 go boots, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, uh, so Paladin is having an argument with his chancellor, whose name is Torbus and Hepesh, who's his high priest. Um, and they're having a big discussion about, um, the Fe- the Galactic Federation and is is Peladin going to go into the Federation and blah 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 which is the big thrust of the story um, and I would like to point out that they have ridiculous hairstyles which I kind of love um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, also also those two guys are identical twins only not yeah that's the weirdest thing they look maybe it's the hairstyle and the fact that they're built exactly the same but like they look exactly like twins and I don't think they ever say that they're twins but it's it's weird. That um, that that they look so similar. Um, I'm just I probably would blame the hairstyle, um, be- which is like white on either side and with a with a nice orange strip down the middle, which is kind of phenomenal. Um, really gorgeous, yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's so modern. Yeah, yeah, not dated by the '70s at all. Um, no, no. So we get a bunch of politics, and what I really enjoy about this story is it's all politics. There's there's no point of it that's not politics, but much in the same way, like, I'm watching through the West Wing right now, and there's this way that the West Wing does politics that makes politics really sexy. Um, it, it has, like, this sort of nice, dramatic feel to it. Like, everything here is talked about with such um, generics, I think, um, without getting into issues. 
um, that makes it really, really work. And I never find myself bored by it, despite the fact that what they're talking about is essentially just tons of exposition. Um, so it's a credit to Brian Hales for doing such a good job. Um, I don't know. Did you find yourself bothered by the politics at all? No. Nice, nice. See, that's the thing about Paladin. And that's why when you get to like the sequel, the sequel is feels so much more preachy and polemic, which is unfortunate. Um, so Torbis is really mad, and Hepesh is really, really mad too, and so is Paladin, because uh, Torbis thinks that um, Paladin should join the Galactic, the Galactic Federation, and uh, Hepesh says that Paladin should be for the Paladinese, or whatever, the uh, Paladonians, I don't know, Pal- Paladonisk. Um and and so Torbus stomps out and is killed by a giant creature, um, and and that happens, I guess. Uh, so so we, in the first couple minutes we have this political murder thing. Um, anyway, so the TARDIS arrives, um, and and I don't know what Joe's wearing, um, but apparently she's going out on a date with Mike Yates, and she's dressed. Like that? I mean, I know it's the 70s, but she's kind of got this great hairdo, um, but she kind of looks like a princess, but it's, it's, it, it does not look great. I, I mean, I'd be ashamed if I saw, if I was with her in public. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyways, um, so they arrive and the doctor's talking about how they don't know where they're, they're back on earth and they're all good and, and, um, and, and it's going to be a pretty sweet time. And Joe's like, well, good. Cause I need to, I need to go visit my gates. And this is interesting because it's one of the first times the doctor has gone out, um, out off of earth, um, since he lost his TARDIS at the end of the war games. Um, so, so we got that. That's really cool. Um, and so they, they get out of the of the TARDIS and for some reason the TARDIS perched right on a cliff face and it just it just falls it just yeah. collapses to the ground in a great sequence of the TARDIS not looking like a little little tiny model um <laughs> <laughs> it really it really looks like somebody just did a little bit of set design on their coffee table and pushed a little model off of their coffee table and filmed it. (laughs) Knowing Doctor Who's budget, I think I could shoot Doctor Who, like classic Who nowadays, and it would look pretty awesome, just like this. (laughs) Um, But So yeah, the TARDIS is gone, and and Joe and the Doctor are like, oh no, we don't know what to do, so they start, uh, they see the Citadel, because they they landed in the... the, like on the on the cliffs near the citadel, so they're like, "Well, we'll climb the cliffs and go to the, go up to the citadel." And while this is happening, um, Alpha Centauri, who, uh, for lack of a better word, looks a little phallic um, uh, and speaks like a girl, uh, is in the throne room of uh, uh, Peladin, and she's and she's slash he, because apparently we find out later that Alpha Centauri is a hermaphrodite. Um, <laughs> you Centauri. don't say. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, uh, Alpha Centauri, who I love, uh, is freaking the frack out because she slash he um, just found out that Torbus was killed just a, a couple hours ago, just before he slash she arrived. Um, <laughs> and everyone seems so okay with this. Like they're just like, yeah, he died. We're looking into it, but but don't worry about it. We're 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 fine here because. You'd think that Peladin would be a little bit more worried about um, about Torbus being killed in this 
random act of violence, but <laughs> apparently not. Um, so, so they're trying to assure Alpha Centauri that all is going to be okay. Um, and <laughs> while this is happening, the Doctor and Joe find these caves under the city, um, and they start moving through the caves, and they hear a uh, freaky sound of a monster, and they start racing through the caves, and like, oh no, oh no, and they come to a dead end, and the Doctor, for some reason, finds a torch on the wall, and just picks up the torch, and the torch, when he picks it up, opens a secret passageway, um, <laughs> and it hits, and the door hits the Doctor, um, which is funny, uh, but <laughs> while... I'm just I'm just gonna say this. I love stories like this. I love stories that have um, you know like candlesticks and moving revolving doors and bookcases. So when I saw this for the first time, I was like, oh yes, I'm so on board with this. Because um, oh god, I love I love stories like this. Um, they they break into the citadel um, and and they uh, are caught behind this tarp and and when they when they enter um they see something coming and the doctor has them has them hide and an ice warrior stumbles by and the doctor is suddenly freaking out because the, if the ice warriors are there we're in trouble because the last time you saw the ice warriors they were trying to colonize the earth um and this is your first experience with the ice warriors uh what did you think just right off the bat of uh, meeting the ice warriors I don't really have much of an opinion because I mean they didn't really do much in this. True, true. They did, you know, they were just, they were just kind of there. I don't know, just like, like I just the thing that um, that uh, struck me the most about this sort of grouping of aliens mm-hmm. is that they they apparently had an abundance of green paint because. <laughs> Everyone's green. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but you're right. This is like my fifth time watching this story, and you're totally right. <laughs> I'm just like, what's going on? Why is everybody the same shade of green? <laughs> that's the that's the Federation rules. The Galactic Federation says that once you once you enter, they're you have to really be racist. <laughs> you got that's be all it green. is. They're just racist. <laughs> Painted the color green. Um, that's well, why. That's why. Um, what was the, which was the twin that hated the doctor? Um, I don't remember. I don't know. But anyway, the, he. It, that's the reason why he's just prejudiced. He oh, Hepesh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Hepesh, Hepesh hated the doctor because and Joe because they weren't green enough. Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he does love. Well, he loves one of the aliens, as we're about to find out. Um, <laughs> So the Ice Warriors are there, and the Doctor is freaking out because he's like, the Ice Warriors are here, we gotta get out of here, this isn't good, we gotta warn people. Um, and so in a moment of panic, they start running down a hallway and they're captured, which is standard Doctor Who. Um, so while this is going on, they're brought to the throne room, and in the throne room, um, they, we meet the delegates for the first time. Uh, the, the delegates from the Galactic Federation are... Um, a, a, a pair of ice warriors who are lizard warriors from Mars. Uh, this creature who's basically just like a giant eye um, named Alpha Centauri and this little shrunken head inside a giant box whose name is Arcturus who talks... Which is wonderful. I love I love Arcturus. Because he's... Like, literally, it's just like this small shrunken head in a glass dome and it's like... It's like he, whenever he talks, he just like juices out the top yeah. of his head, and it just oh cascades around the the little dome. It's it's brilliant. 
it's brilliant. awesome. It's awesome. I love it. It's oh, it's so so fun. Um, also, the Alpha Centauri looks like a creature from HR Puff and stuff. <laughs> it totally does. Oh my god! It even talks like an HR Puff and stuff character. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i want alpha centauri to return so bad with a, with a legion of huff and puff huff and stuff toys um <laughs> yeah um anyways so they're arguing about what they're going to do because it's not safe because torbis is dead and they're like well we can't we can't have any of this um and and paladin is very adamant he says look just be here. We need you as Paladin because we need to be. F- our people need to be free. They need to be awesome. Uh, so just just come on and and stay for a while and help me with these negotiations because Paladin, the the, the planet of Paladin, wants to join the Galactic Federation. Um, and then Hepesh is, of course, because he's the high priest. He's all superstitious and religious, and they worship this creature called the Agador, or they fear this creature called the Agador, um, who looks like a giant pig, um, like a like a pig demon, sort of. Like a furry, furry pig demon. Like a, if a bear and a pig had a baby and it, <laughs> and it had horns, like that's basically what the Agador looks like. Um, and if and, it was if it was lulled into submission by lullabies <laughs> and rocking back and forth. <laughs> and, a, and a little spinny thing. Like yeah. that's all that's, that's all that, that's basically how you create your own Agador. So if you want to create your own Agador, kids, just get into some genetic engineering. You got it. Um, well, Pertwee is a magician. So. He so is a magician. Oh man, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, anyway, so uh, somehow Peladin manages, like he's having a hard time uh, convincing because Hepesh is being no help whatsoever trying to get them to leave because he's superstitious and he thinks that Peladin should be for the Peladonians. The Doctor and Joe come in, uh, led by the Peladin people, and everyone everyone in the room is like, oh, you must be the delegation of Earth. And there's this... It's a really great moment where Pertwee just kind of like, like the first time I saw this, like I was expecting Pertwee to be like, you know, kicking ass and taking names, you know, because um, I heard that, oh, he was going to be like, you know, BSing all these people. Like there's this look on his face when they go, you must be the delegate from Earth. And he's just like, uh, yes, I am. He- I am he. <laughs> And it's, and it's kind of adorable. And then all of a sudden, you kick into Pertwee just being like, yeah, I'm the delegate. And then somehow, and I don't even remember when this happened, but he became, like, the leader of the delegation. So, like, the entire Galactic Federation delegation to Peladin reports to Pertwee because God knows why. Um, and and uh, because no one of not noble blood is allowed to be in the throne room, the doctor says, oh, and this is Josephine Grant. She's the queen, the princess of Earth, which I think is awesome. Um, and she's like, yeah, I'm totally that chick, but I'm only here in an advisory capacity, which is phenomenal. Um, so... Yeah, she she takes to the whole princess thing rather quickly. Oh yeah, she she she, she doesn't even she doesn't even miss a beat like at all. You know that like as a kid, Joe was just like, one day I will be a princess. And, yeah, because like, like seriously, he barely he he barely mentions it, and her posture like changes, and she's suddenly very regal. <laughs> it's it, she had to have like been ready. Like the, she's just like in her head, like I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. <laughs> Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, so while this is going on, uh, upstairs there's this mute giant 
guard, who I guess is the captain of the guard, and his name is Gron, um, and he doesn't speak because he's apparently got no tongue or something, uh, and he heads up to the rafters outside of the throne room, like there's this corridor outside the throne room, and he starts to move something, because uh, he's standing by the statue of Agador. Um, so the the delegates all agree to reconvene later. There's this really... <laughs> This is this really great moment where, where Peladin says, Joe, I'll see you later. And she's like, okay. And it's very flirtatious. Um, which, which, which is not cool considering she was going on a date like <laughs> not five minutes ago. Yeah. And she's just like, well, I can't go on that date. So uh, how about this guy? Well, well, Mike Yates is just a captain, but this guy. This guy is a king, so I guess. I'm just, <laughs> just, and here I'm a princess, and Mike never treated me like a princess, so I guess I'm just also do he has this. puffy shorts. <laughs> well, that's 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 you know apparently women are attracted to that. If there's one thing that Doctor Who has taught me, it's that women are attracted to to uh, puffy shorts. Um. <laughs> anyways, um. So the so the delegates are all walking out of the of the throne room. Arcturus, Alpha Centauri, the Ice Warriors, and the Doctor. And as they walk out, the doctor looks up, and the statue of Agador that was in the rafters, God knows why the statue was there. Like, it, I don't... <laughs> I mean, if you really start to think about it, like, why put the statue there? Why not put it on the ground? Uh, uh, but apparently it's there so that it can drop on their heads. So the, the statue starts to fall, and we're left on this great cliffhanger of the doctor seeing the statue falling. Um, and it's it's a strong cliffhanger, I think. Um, I don't. I think it's a really weak one, but... Because uh, I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> It's one like of those, it started it started falling and I was like what the hell is that thing and then it was over and then I was like oh uh okay I don't even know the, what's going on It's the Agador um no it, it, I don't know it's it's one of those ones that kind of it does what it's it does what it's supposed to do I suppose but I find the later you're right in that the later ones like the ones after this are a little bit stronger especially the one to part 3 although that's a weird cliffhanger um Anyway, so we come back, and the resolution of this is basically the Doctor just pushes everyone really quickly, and the statue crashes behind them, mm-hmm. which is exactly how you would get out of that cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> which is why get... it's a weak cliffhanger. Fair point. Wait until we watch <laughs> The Visitation, where every cliffhanger is basically that. Um, so, <laughs> the... Um... I've seen The Visitation. Yeah, every cliffhanger is not good. It's like yeah. it's, it's like they're about to drop the axe, and then and then there's a cliffhanger, and then they come back, and then someone walks in and says, "Wait!" and it's yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, so everyone starts freaking out. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, they're sabotage! We're attempting to be assassinated. It's not safe here. Uh, we have to get out of here." Will the talk? And there's this big discussion about will the political talks continue? And I love. What makes this story so strong for me is that every character has their own rationalized motivation. Um, even though I don't necessarily agree with someone like Hepesh, Hepesh is very uh, convicted and has a very strong motivation for what he wants. And so does Paladin, and so does Alpha Centauri, who's basically her, her instead of fight or flight, her basically options are flight, 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 flight. Um, and and I love that because Paladin is just like, look, I just want to help my people, so. Excuse me, stick around, and it'll all be okay. I promise. I'll keep you safe. So, uh, the delegates, I suppose, decide to stay. I mean, the doctor has a hand in saying, look, let's just give them all a chance. Um, and we get another scene of Joe alone with King Peladin, and, and they're flirting again, because 
God knows they have to flirt. And then Joe takes the opportunity when she's alone to head up stairs to the rafters where the statue fell from and she finds this clue, which is a little piece of microcircuitry. Um, and um, she brings it back to the doctor and says, hey, what do you think of this? And he's like, look, this looks like something from the Ice Warriors, so I would say that the Ice Warriors are suspect in this in this Agador statue dropping, uh, so we need to be really careful of them and we need to confront them on it, um, but not right now. And while they're talking about this, I, I like this scene only because it's a really nice Dr. Joe scene. Like, it's very touching, the relationship between them. Um, <laughs> we then hear this alarm going off and the doctor's like, what's that? So they all, they, they race out to Arcturus's room to find Arcturus just kind of like rotating a little bit <laughs> in the way. This that... is, this is when I realized that Arcturus looks like swamp things shrunken head. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like the tentacles and it's all green and, uh... <laughs> and it's just like, it's got bulgy eyes and it doesn't really move its mouth. It's just kind of like a little head in a jar. Um, yeah, and there's like you know, like 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 sort of like bog fog, like inside yeah. the dome. Yeah. It's a little mysterious, but it's you can just tell that it's just a little prop head. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, the, the the thing is like moving and shaking, and the doctor starts to examine it, and he's like, "He's dying! Oh no!" And he's and the doctor tries to fix whatever it is that's the problem, and the ice warriors come in, and they're like, they're like, what are you doing? Get away from him. And, and the doctor's like, look, I had nothing to do with this, because he manages to fix Arcturus, and Arcturus is like, I don't remember what happened. Um, and uh, and Arcturus starts freaking out and saying, we have to get out of here. And the ice warriors say, look, we're not going anywhere, but the doctor, you are now suspect because we found you with Arcturus as he was freaking out. Um, so uh, while this is going on, Joe sneaks into the Ice Warriors room to try and find, uh, you know, a piece of technology to associate with Arcturus's um, attack, and she is spotted by another Ice Warrior who just happens to come into the room and spot her, and she, it's well, she's hiding behind a rug on the wall. Yeah, which is classic. Like I just, oh, I love how this story. This story is awesome because it just goes for those tropes. And it just yeah. embraces them wholeheartedly, and it just feels so good. Um, <laughs> it's just behind a rug in the wall. Like, not even attempting to hide her feet. You'd think she'd notice. You'd think she'd notice, but apparently not. Um, so, um, Joe is locked in the room, and uh, she manages... She just gets on a chair and escapes out the window, which is... All right, I guess I guess that would work. Um, and she, like, runs out of the... She escapes out of room and then comes out another room. And she's, she's captured again by the Ice Warriors. And it's kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> and while this is going on, um, the Doctor is confronted by Gron, the mute guard security guy. Um... Oh and my god, do I love him. I love Gron so much because Gron's just like... What's that, Gron? Timmy's in the world? <laughs> I thought the same thing! He's totally like... He's like a male, bulky version of Lassie. Like, it's just... <laughs> and every opportunity they have, they're like, What's that, Gron? Peladonians have invaded the city? Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> All the guy's doing is going... Ugh. <laughs> um... 
my god. It's kind and of like, and I just love the part where he comes up with the most ridiculous like involved explanations as to what his little groan means. <laughs> you want to go this way? Wait, you want to put the rock in front of the door so that the door doesn't close right away? I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> and all Gron says is, you know, just, just <laughs> yeah. kind of like that. Um, so Gron pulls the doctor into the caves. I don't even know why this happened. It just kind of does. Um, and then Gron hears a creature roaring in the background and then just runs because apparently Gron's not a badass and is terrified of Agador. Um, and the doctor is left alone, so he kind of starts running through the caves on his own. And while this is happening, um, the ice warriors talk to Joe and they say, look, um, Arcturus, what happened to Arcturus wasn't, a mistake. It was. Uh, it was an. It was. It was not an assassination attempt because it looked like an assassination attempt. It's a. Um, it, it was just. An, it was just going to put Arcturus into a coma, which right there. I mean, right there. That should tell you something um, about something. Uh, I won't spoil it, but come on, guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's. It's like. It's like if you're gonna kill Arcturus, kill Arcturus. But like, why would you? Why would you just leave him in a coma? That makes no sense. Think about it a little bit. Um, come on, come on. Um, so our, Joe is shocked by this, and while she is, the doctor kind of breaks into. Like he finds a hidden passage into, uh, I guess, the Peladin Temple, um, and. Uh, he is found in the temple by Hepesh and Gron, so I guess I guess this was the plan. Um, and Hepesh is like, "Oh, this is really bad," and they bring him in front of King Peladin in the throne room, and the doc and they're like, and the doctor's like, "Look, I'm sorry, I just came in here through the tunnels," and Peladin is just like, "Tunnels? What tunnels?" And the doctor's like, "Tunnels beneath the city," and and Peladin's like, "Tunnels? Hepesh? What, what's he talking about?" And Hepesh is like, "I don't know," and then um. <laughs> And then, so, Hepish is like, I don't know, well, what what we need to do is we need to address the manner at hand, which is that no one is allowed inside the temple, no off-worlder, none, because uh, the penalty for that is murder. So we're left, or not murder, but um, is death. So apparently the doctor, by breaking into the temple on accident, completely by accident, uh, uh, is going to be put to death. And that's where we're left on the second cliffhanger, and it's kind of, kind of exciting, I suppose. It's most exciting yeah. for what happens next. <laughs> Right, right. Because part three is the best part by far. Part three is easily the best part of the story because because while part two, like I don't know, like I found I find when I watch a story, like the first part is kind of like just a lot of setup, just getting all the pieces into place, and then part two is really playing with all of them. Like you see a lot of the politics and the and the intrigue and all this sort of mystery that's going on, like who tried to kill Arcturus, what's going on with this 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 these random murders that are happening. But part three, we come back and <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Before we before we get to part three, I want, just want to remind everybody that brought to you by uh, DCBService.com. dot com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. 
You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off this month with Punisher Number 1 by Greg Rucka for $0.99 cents and Angel and Faith for $0.74 cents and regular discounts of 40% off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you can save 50% off those. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Okay, part three. Okay, part three. By the way, Punisher by Greg Rucka. Come on, guys. Yeah, Let's I know, buy right? That. Let's buy that. Um, so we come back um, in part three, and the doctor's still talking about the tunnels, and and Joe fi- Joe is here, and all the delegates are here, and they're all f- like kind of freaking out that the doctor is about to be put to death, which is really bad, because if the doctor's put to death, and he is the delegate from Earth, then Earth can declare war against Paladin, uh, and if Earth declares war against Paladin, then the Galactic Federation can declare war against Paladin, and all of this could get really messy really quickly. <laughs> Except that he's not a delegate for Earth, so it actually yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It doesn't really matter. Um, nor is nor is Joe actually a princess, but you know, <laughs> we can't let these people know that because that would be rough. Um, but <laughs> for some reason. For some reason, like, Joe is begging with Peladin that there must be a better way. And Peladin, I don't remember who says this, but someone says, well, there is an alternative for people of noble blood or high rank. And that is, you could do a trial by combat. Which, that's a rule. That's a rule on Peladin. That's a rule. Like, instead of going under the death penalty, if you are, you know the president or a senator you can you can just go into a pit with a with a guy and then just fight the guy and if you win you get your life that's that makes sense um so they're like sure we'll do this and it's pertwee so you're like well he's got to do this um so so that's that's it's a announce, and then they announced that that grun is going to be his opponent in this fight to the death and i love <laughs> the music that plays when they do the extreme <laughs> close-up on Grunt. <laughs> Where it's just like, <laughs> and, and then everyone's just like, what's that? You don't want to fight the doctor? And it's, um, you know, it's kind of, but I guess it's Grunt's, Grunt's lot in life to fight the doctor. Um, <laughs> so everyone leaves and the doctor's preparing for his uh, trial by combat by going back to his room and reading. Um, which is which is what I would do. That's certainly what it, Malcolm. It's the meant. idiot's guide to, to uh, cage match. That's what that, he was reading. <laughs> idiot's guide to cage match. I would read that. Um, <laughs> so so while this is going on, like Paladin asks Joe to stay behind, and he totally hits on her, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and he says he says. Um, look, I'm really into you. Basically, he's like just coming on to her, and he's like, "I'm really into you, and I want, I want to, I want to help uh, join the Federation." So I'm wondering if you'll marry me. And Joe's just like, "Wait a minute, what? My friend's about to die, and you want to marry me?" And he's like, "Yes." And he, she's just like, "Are you really that into me?" And he's just like, "No, but I want to marry you so that we can have a nice alliance between Paladin and Earth." And she's just like, this is, this is bogus. I'm not going to do this. And then she just kind of leaves. And Pelina just goes, well, what was I supposed to say? And it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like Pelican, you just don't get it, do you? It's so funny. It's <laughs> such a funny scene. <laughs> because, like, 
seriously, she's just like, she's just like, she's so incensed and he does not get it. He just, he just does not get it. Yeah. Um, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> Why you gotta be that way? I mean, I'm trying to be romantic here. <laughs> just, I'm trying to be romantic with this pros and cons list I'm giving you. <laughs> Of why we should be married, and it should be noted that this is um, uh, Joe and the Doctor have been on Peladin maybe what two hours at this point, maybe three or four max. Yeah, at the most, this is the third conversation she's had with the King. (laughs) Well, he 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 knows life is short. You got to move on it. You got to jump on it. You just got to. Um, so while this is going on, the delegates are all debating what to do, because if the doctor's killed, then they're going to have to go to war. Um, and Hepesh meets the doctor in the doctor's room and tries to get the doctor to leave. And there's this really great sort of moment where Hepesh talks about how if the doctor, um, if the doctor leaves, then the Federation will leave, and he just wants Peladin to be safe by, you know, being on its own and self-independence, which I which I appreciate. Um, I think he's wrong, but I really like that they give voice to that. Like, he's not just some generic bad guy. Like, they really put a lot of thought into Hepesh. Um, not into his eventual death, spoilers, but into him, I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But, there you go. Um, so... Hepesh says, I know about the tunnels, which right away should just tip you off that Hepesh is up to no good. Um, so he leads, he sends the doctor, like, he's like, look, exit the tunnels this way, you'll find your ship, uh, which we, which we had, uh, brought up from the mountainside. Uh, so, so just go, just don't look back, take Joe with you and just get out of here. And, um... Every, and so the doctor, so he leaves and the doctor is left alone and he starts like doing something, but we don't know quite what. Uh, he starts working with his hands, I suppose, to make something, but what that is, we'll find out in a minute. And so uh, everyone, all the other delegates are freaking out still, and Joe joins them, and everyone's just like, we gotta get out of here, we gotta cut and run, we gotta, we gotta just leave and abandon Peladin. And Joe is like, you can't do this. We can't leave the doctor behind. Um, and she leaves, and the ice warriors, who jo- ice warriors join her a little bit later, and they say, look, um, Arcturus is a coward, and Alpha Centauri is a coward, and they want to leave, but we can't leave. And Joe's like, well, why can't you leave? And the ice warriors go, because we elected to stay, and Galactic Federation law says that everything must be decided by unanimous vote. Which is backwards come on do you know how hard it is to come up with a unanimous vote for anything can you imagine it's like uh it's it'd be like 12 angry men all the time which let's see that story (laughs) with all of these characters (laughs) every everyone becomes like i want to know who's going to be like the last guy standing it would probably be like the the second ice warrior who's just been quiet the whole time you know, just, <laughs> just leading them. But like, I love that it's got to be unanimous. Like, that's just so backwards to me. Like, you can't even take a simple majority. Like, that's too hard for them. All right, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so, so all the delegates are going to stay because they can't leave because one person said, "I want to stay." 
Which is awful. Can you imagine? Like, you go to Disneyland, you've been there for 12 hours, or any amusement park, you've been there for 12 hours, and the one kid, the one kid who's like four says, I want to go on the ride again, and again, and again, and you're just like, I want to go home, and you can't because you've got to have a unanimous decision. Such a, such a bad policy. They should know better than that. They should really know. It is, it is. Um, and, and what they don't know is that outside the door, Arcturus is listening, and then he kind of leaves. Um, anyway, so, uh, the doctor picks up this little thing, uh, which is like a little device on a stick, um, and it spins and makes a little humming sound. Um, and he heads off in the caves and searches for the Agador, which is this little, you know, beastie that we talked about just a while ago. Um, and he he comes across the Agador, and I'm YouTubing this. Yes, the YouTubes are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm YouTubing this because when I Dear saw this, God, yes, my jaw hit the floor. Like my jaw hit the floor. Like I couldn't believe. Like I, as if this story wasn't enough fun. Like because up to this point, it's just a riot. Like it's I'm having so much fun. The doctor pulls out this thing and he just like flicks it, and it's like this thing that's like a, it's like the size of a very thick quarter, and it starts spinning really quickly and making a humming sound, and he starts singing a lullaby to the Agador. So. What does this story have? This has John Pertwee singing to a giant pig bear with horns. Like, this is awesome. I love this. Actually, Beautiful. you know what? Ag- the Agador kind of looks like an angry version of Alf with horns. <laughs> That's what I was going for. So basically, the Agador is this... So the John Pertwee, the doctor, is singing a lullaby to this giant, like, demonic-looking Alf. So that's awesome. Um, I love it. And it's kind of sweet. And it's going to be YouTube. So if you ever want to see a doctor singing, it's right here. It's right here. And it's great. It is beautiful. Oh, God, it's so good. Um, So Joe, for some reason, realizes that the doctor's gone into the caves and she chases after him. And the doctor's trying to domesticate Agador by, you know, singing him into a trance over and over and over again. And Joe interrupts it because she sees him and she's like, ah, get back. And she, she like, runs up with her arms waving, you know, like you would with a bear. And she goes, ah, and and Agador just freaks out and runs away because Agador is a very scared thing. And the doctor just goes, Joe, you're an idiot. And sits down and is like, I was trying to hypnotize her, and it was really, and I was I was doing really well. And, and Joe just goes, Joe just goes, I'm sorry. And and what was that in your hand? And he pulls out the spinny thing and he flicks it, and Joe gets entranced, and it's adorable. All that will be in a YouTube YouTube at the comments of the um, episode. Check it out. It's not the best YouTube for the story, but it is pretty fantastic. Um, it's phenomenal. I love it. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> like, seriously, seriously, the Doctor is singing a lullaby to Alf. Like, this is the greatest story that I that we've seen so far. It's just uh, so much fun. Um, so, the Doctor goes back to the throne room, uh, and he's like, I was in the caves, and Hepesh is like, how'd you get to the caves? And the Doctor's like, you let me out. And Hepesh is like, don't be ridiculous. And, um, apparently, and he's just like, and the Doctor's like, well, I met Agador. And everyone's just like, how did you meet Agador? Agador is a ferocious beast. And the Doctor's like, well, I scratched him behind the ears. And everyone's just like, you suck. Um, so, for some reason, now is the time for trial by combat. Not that I'm complaining, but it just happens now. Um, and this is YouTube. Like, no way am I not YouTubing this. Oh my god, um, it's silent. It's, oh, it's awesome. It's great. There's well, no music. It's, it's just... Yeah, not even like we- the... 
not even like the Star Trek like da 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 da. None of that. It's just no. It's, it's just Pertwee and Groon like rolling around on the ground with a halberd and a sword and oh my god and like and seriously like only only Pertwee only Pertwee <laughs> would a guy come at him with a broadsword and he'd throw up karate hands. <laughs> Only Pertwee. Like he's gonna catch it. Like like he's gonna catch it in his hands like Buffy does. Like, yeah, oh my god, it's 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 beautiful. And like when they first lower them in, like I just love how he looks surprised when the rope gets pulled away. Which, by the way <laughs> It's like, wait, wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I thought I would be able to use it like Tarzan. Um, <laughs> but like not only that, like they actually like there's not like a door. Like normally when you see a cage match, it's like a pit and there's like, you know, the dungeon and the then the doors open and the people walk out. None of that. They are lo- they are lowered by ropes which they have to climb down. Like it's some like evil gym course or something. It's yeah. just Oh my god, it's so cool. And like it, they fight, and it's like it's not a short fight. Like it is a long fight of wrestling, and it's <laughs> it's awesome. It's so cool, guys. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. I promise it's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the doctor beats Gron. Spoilers. Um, uh, and and spares Gron's life despite the fact that he wasn't supposed to, because you know the good guy never kills the bad guy in a, in a cage match. And then all of a sudden, uh, Arcturus releases like puts out a gun from his little wheelchair box and everyone like looks around all shocked and then all of a sudden we see a laser blast and that's where the story ends it's very i don't know i think it's a really good cliffhanger because it kind of like pushes you into like oh we're finally gonna get the resolution to this story you know Mm -hmm. like this really cool thing happens because it is a misdirect because while you think that the laser blast comes from arcturus it actually comes from an ice warrior um, who was just sitting there waiting for something like this to happen. Um, and that's where it is. I don't know. What did you think of the cliffhanger as a thing? Just, it, was it was good. Kind of, it was a really yeah, good cliffhanger. Yeah. I, it just left me going, oh, I need the next part. Uh, despite the fact that all the good stuff has technically happened. Um, yeah, part four is like... Denouement. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a quick it's a quick wrap-up and then lots of epilogue. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because yeah. um, we come back to part four and <laughs> the Ice Warrior kills Arcturus... And as soon as Hapash sees this, he's like, well, I'm out. And he kind of leaves. He just kind of walks out. Um, and, and everyone uh, gets together and they're like, oh, well, Arcturus did this because he teamed up with Hapash. And Hapash was going to sell out um, all of Peladin's ore refinery to, um, to Arcturus and Arcturus's planet and sell it off at a high price. And it wasn't going to be very, you know, it wasn't going to be good. And, um, and it just kind of ex- it explains the whole plot. Which, in one big exposition dump. But I don't care, because I'm having such a good time. Um, so, everyone mounts a defense against Hepesh, um, and the Doctor... Uh, everyone's mounting a defense because they expect Hepesh to make up a, a coup against the throne. Which, by the way, we're in a story with a coup. Like, that's awesome. I love coups. Um, <laughs> this, this story just hits on, like, all the wheels that make fun exciting stories that they don't kind of tell anymore and it's yeah kind because it just it, it feels inherently classic you know what i mean like mm-hmm. just like just like watching it like the first time i was like oh this is a classic classic story of you know tropes of kings and princesses and 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 lizard warriors and and moving walls with brackets and stuff it just oh it's so good um so uh everyone um 
but Arcturus is dead, thank God. Um, and the Doctor heads into the caves to try and find uh, Agador for whatever reason. Um, and everyone's mounting a defense, and, and the Ice Warriors, and Joe is put into place um, with uh, instead of the Doctor. So the Doctor relinquishes his delegation powers to, to um, Joe while he goes off and does some action stuff. Um, <laughs> they... <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, we should stay and help them uh, or call for Federation aid or something. And <laughs> they're like, and, and Officer Tori is like, I think we should get out of here. I think, we, and then the ice, were, the ice Lord is like, I think we should stay. And he kind of stares at Officer Tori and Officer Tori is like, okay. And that, kids, that is how you get a unanimous decision right there. That's, <laughs> that is democracy in action. Um so uh, they all decide that they're gonna they're gonna call for some communication, um, and uh, um, and so the ice warriors head back to one of the ice warriors heads back to his uh, his room and finds that his communication software has been has been sabotaged and um, so has so has Alpha Centauri's. But that's okay because the Earth delegation has a communication, and Joe's just like, well, we can't use it because ours was hurt in the crash, and it's kind of funny. Um, so. All of a sudden, so all the delegates are cut off, and it's it's looking really bad because if they kill, if they take the delegates hostage, then the Federation will, you know, be bartering bartering with terrorists or what have you. Um, so fighting breaks out in the in the Citadel as Hepesh and his and his soldiers start to take over the Citadel, and I just I love this. It's just super fun. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they they take the delegates hostage and they take the throne room and Pal- King Paladin is like, Hepesh, how have you, you have forsaken me and betrayed me. And Hepesh is like, well, you were going to sell us out to the Federation and make things worse for us. And um, and then the doctor go who went into the caves brings out the Agador, like just brings out Agador into the Citadel and is just like using Agador like a pet. Like Agador has become the Chewbacca of this story, um, and 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 everyone starts like everyone sees that the Doctor has taken control of Agador, who is their like you know their god, their their like demon. So if the Doctor controls the demon, then all the all the Peladonians have to stand down. And Hepesh is like, I'm not gonna do this, Agador. You fear me, or I don't fear the Agador. And then he like disrupts the spell that the Doctor was playing on Agador, which, by the way, the Doctor's still singing constantly, which is just fantastic. Um, and uh. he, like, runs forward, and Agador just basically, like, swats him down. Hepesh goes down like a bitch and uh, is killed. Um, so, it's the end that's the end of Hepesh, and Paladin is very dis- distraught because he's lost his chancellor and his high priest, and he's like, I will forgive all the guards, this was just a formality, and we're going to join the Federation. Screw everyone, this is my decision, I'm the king. Um, and and that's that's basically it. Um, this is a really great moment where, I don't remember why I thought this, but like, he, this guard is looking at he, is looking over Hepesh's dead body, and Peladin, like he looks up to Peladin, and he says, and he says he's dead. And Peladin, I expected to just pick up a sword and just like just decapitate the guard, which would have been the greatest thing in the world. But apparently, that's you know wouldn't happen. Because um, <laughs> I don't know, I've seen this story like four times, and every time I see that guard, I just expect Peladin to just you know just whack his head off and be like, "All right, I'm good," you know, just like my. <laughs> Anger has been taken out on this lowly surf, um, but uh, so so that's basically it. 
Um, there's the they, the doctor and Joe find the TARDIS, which has been returned, and and the doctor says something about how it's really weird that they happen to show up at Peloton right in the middle of uh of this brewing civil war that was about to happen. Uh, and and Joe's like, that's weird, and the doctor's like, not really. The Time Lords probably did it, and she's like, what? And he's like, yep. Um, and uh, so then. Joe and Peladin meet again, and Joe and Peladin's like, "Hey, do you do you still want to get married?" She's like, "No." Um, and then he leaves and goes to get coronated, and because he's about to become king proper or something. Um, I don't really understand, honestly, like why he became the king all of a sudden. Like I thought he was king already. Um, <laughs> I guess it was like, well, like I guess it was like a renewal of his vows or something, where he suddenly felt more confident and was like. Well, that first time was a trial run. You know how people get their vows renewed. I imagine it would be like now. That. I get my now. I get my gold thread puffer. <laughs> In a couple of years, I'll be able for the platinum or the diamond version. Um, yeah, just like that. God, the diamond version. <laughs> That's diamond. for the late seventies. <laughs> he gets diamond encrusted puffy shorts. Um, so oh let's dear see. god. So so he goes off, and and the doctor and Joe are like, "Well, do you want to go?" And and they both kind of go. Nah, let's go to the coronation. And there's this great, of course it had to happen, but there's this great beat where they kind of walk out and they see that Alpha Centauri and the Nice Warrior are talking to this heavy set woman who's like, I swear to you, I'm the delegate from Earth. And they're like, no, the doctor's the delegate from Earth. And the doctor and Joe are like, let's go watch another coronation like Queen Victoria's. And they just kind of leave and they get in the TARDIS and they fly off. Just as the Earth delegation gets in, so it's like the Doctor has become this mythic figure who kind of helped Peladin through this uh, this troubled time, and that's it. That's that's where the story kind of ends, and it's kind of like a really sort of it's a great sort of like you know last beat of the story, like a little punchline to just finish everything up. So that's the Curse of Peladin. Congratulations, we made it through our first story, classic story back after Matt Smith. Good stuff. Yeah, it's it, and it was an excellent one. I love Excellent. this story. I, I yeah. if 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 Inferno and Spearhead from Space weren't so good, or Time Warrior for that matter, I think this is like I this is one of my all time favorite Perfy stories. Just it's just got that charm, you know, like it's just so yeah. charming and magical and you know, lightning in a bottle of just everything you could want out of a Doctor Who story. And unique. Yeah, it's, it's never it's excellent. It's a it's a good Doctor Who story, not just a good Pertwee story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't it's one of those things where like I've never seen a story like this. Like even the sequel doesn't feel like this. It doesn't. None. No other story has this sort of feel to it, which is yeah. great and and yeah. hard to do after you know fifty years. So, it's it's just a good one. Totally recommended for all. Fa- if you want to get into classic Who, like this is a great one to go for because it's just absolutely. It just it just hits on all those notes. Um, I knew you'd like it. So per- Pertwee is just is such a fun doctor. Like yeah, he just he doesn't care. Like it's one of those things where it's like you know people were just like. His 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 rationale is not would the doctor do that? It's would I do that? And he's like, yeah, I'd do that. So, which is <laughs> such a good mentality, like because it makes the story so exciting. Like no other doctor is gonna get in a cage match. Can you imagine if Tom Baker got in a cage match? It just it wouldn't work. No, it wouldn't not work. At all. all that's missing is like Pertwee going shirtless in the cage match. Like that's the only thing that's really yeah. missing from that scene. <laughs> oh my god! All right, would've, well that would have made this the you, best story of all time. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you got for us next week? Um, next week we're going um, a little bit further back in time. We're going to do a story called The War Machines, which is uh, the introduction of Ben and Polly. It's a it's a Hartnell story, and it's swinging 60s. Um, 
it's one of his last stories. I think it's like his third to last story. And it's actually interesting. It's the last, it's also the last story of Dodo, um, who's a, a, per, a Hartnell companion for his last season. Um, and she is something else. Um, if for no other reason than because it's like possibly the greatest companion departure you've ever seen. Like, I know that when we finish it, you're going to get to the end and just be like, wait, that's how they wrote her out? Because if they got it, if they did something like that today, people would scream because, because <laughs> they didn't give a crap about characters back then, you know? So yeah, it's a fun one. It's good. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Um, cause it's, 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 it's odd, but it's fantastic. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing more Hartnell, so... Yeah, he's he's got a great power moment at the end of episode three that's kind of awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, um, we'll be back next week with the War Machines. Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash gunkadin, uh, alternate, com- alternate um, uh, Twitter account GD commentary, which I'm using very soon. Very soon. That's not just me talking. Um... Uh, you can also find me on a Doctor Who blog, classic blog, where I talk about old stories. Um, last week we talked about the King's Demons, which is a fifth Doctor story, fifth Doctor master story, in which Peter Davison gets in a sword fight with Anthony Ainley, which is pretty great, because um, I'm so easy. Um, it's it's a good sort of clip, so if you want to see that, check out the blog. I just posted thoughts on things. Uh, next week, uh, my girlfriend Cassandra's stepping in, and she, we're going to be talking about the Ark, which is a uh, first Doctor story uh, with him and Dodo, actually. Uh, Dodo and Steven. It's a it's a story I actually haven't seen, so I'm really interested to see how it goes down. Because that... Excuse me. Hartnell's third season is a very strange season. Just very, very experimental in hmm. how they tell stories and stuff. So, yeah. So uh, that's, that's that. And you can also find me here talking classic stories um, after War Machines were talking... Uh, I, I feel like I should keep giving people updates because I don't know if people get lost or anything. Uh, but we're going to be talking Idiot's Lantern uh, and Terror of the Zygons. So those are the two stories that are on deck. So if you're interested, Idiot's Lantern is uh, Tenant and Terror of the Zygons is Tom Baker. Uh, so you can find me here and over at Movie Night, like you. Yeah, and uh, this month on Movie Night we're talking, uh, uh, well, just a bunch of random picks. Um I chose The Man from Earth. John did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, Your Cloverfield episode should be out very shortly. And then our listener pick for the month is The Fall. Um, And then next month, July, we're going to be talking about box office, um, big blockbusters, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we've got – and it's like blockbusters through the decades too, which is interesting. Yeah, which is not intentional. Sort not of. not inten- well yeah it wasn't intentional until we realized we'd done it and then we <laughs> now it's now it's now it was always the plan yeah so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so it's like 70s 80s and 90s and then hopefully we can get a listener pick from uh the 2000 era um all right so yeah that's that's what we got going on a movie night i have also got geek show soundcheck which um should have a new episode this week had one last week it's up now and uh that's where i i talk about music with uh, john pavlich which is another guy that co-hosts movie night geek show with us and then um you can also you just find me on the website uh geekshowentertainment.com uh i'm all over the place all the time audio blogs and things we did 
recently, audio blogs we've done recently have been X-Men First Class, Super 8, um, Green Lantern should be up uh, in a couple of days at this point. And, um, yeah, Super 8 good, was good a times. great conversation. Like, yeah, it, it is. hardcore nuts conversation. Yeah, yeah. We should you you should guys should definitely listen to, listen to that. If you saw Super Eight, listen to that review. And if you um, haven't seen Super Eight, why haven't you? Go yeah, watch it. Totally. Go watch it. Um also there should be tons of audio blogs um on the site at this point that are all uh Summit City Comic Con related because that is that will have been yesterday by the time you guys hear this. Um so there there should be tons of stuff up because I'll be updating the site constantly with audio blogs from summit city comic-con so um keep an eye out for those and check those out because th- those should be fun uh you can also follow me at on twitter twitter.com slash scott Carilli, and then my alternate twitter account twitter.com slash scott commentary um and then uh, i don't think i'm anywhere else i think that's it yes? i think you need a third twitter account i'm i maybe um i have a facebook account does that does that count um no, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't really use my Facebook account, so that's fine. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, that's where you can find us and email the show tdcageekshow.us. Leave iTunes reviews, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you next week with the warm. So excited, bye guys.